0: Hello, Shiver Seekers. Are you ready to follow us into the haunted unknown? I'm Cynthia. And I am Stephanie. And
1: you have found the Dark Oak. your Thanksgiving
0: oh my gosh well you know Thanksgiving consists of all of my favorite foods so just fine just fabulous are you wearing stretchy (laughs) pants today (laughs) um I will be wearing stretchy pants for the next couple of weeks I'm pretty (laughs) sure because you know you got the leftovers
1: (laughs) oh yes absolutely yeah um I I may be a little familyed out at this point. So, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually really excited that we're bringing this episode today. Um, this is the haunting of the Bell Witch.
0: Very exciting. It sounds very nice and spooky. Yeah. I'm
1: actually it, it's going to totally just reset my mind. It's a really fun story. Um, and actually I shouldn't even say it's a story because it really is a mystery about Whether it was a real haunting or a witch, or maybe it was a hoax. I'm going to give you all the details. You can help me figure it out. Um, It's really fun, too, because it's a total historical mystery, which is totally me.
0: Totally your jam. (laughs) It's totally my
1: jam. Exactly. And even if it's not real, it's a piece of true Southern folklore. Okay. Um, And it's in the state of Tennessee.
0: Love it! One of my favorite states.
1: Yeah, Tennesseans. Who are they? T- Tennesseans. <laughs> Tennessee. I don't know, but my sister's a Tenassian. <laughs> tenassian. I'm really sorry, all of our listeners <laughs> at Tennessee. We really do love you, um, and I hope I do this story justice because I know it's a big part of your culture there, and I know it brings a lot of um, sightseers and explorers. And if uh, if I nail it, let me know. If I don't. Okay, I'm going to open myself up here, but you're allowed to let me know that too. <laughs>
0: Nicely. <laughs> Nicely. Nicely, please. I'm sure this is Stephanie we're talking about, listeners. We know she's going to nail it. You know, I really try
1: to bring only the factual stuff, which was genuinely really hard on this case because it's been covered and written about so much that I feel the story has mutated several times. Okay. And. So me being me, I went back to the historical texts.
0: (laughs) So you know you're getting it straight when you get it from Stephanie.
1: (laughs) Well, I can't help it. That's good. Because I kept, I listened to several different podcasts on it, and they all had different versions of it. And it would kind of be the same event, but the viewpoints were different. And I said, there's got to be something original um, about this case. And I found it. And it's very old. All right. All right. Can't wait to hear. So this story is about the haunting of the 19th century Bell family. Okay. Who lived in Robertson County, Tennessee. John Bell Sr. was the patriarch of the family. And the one to which the mysterious hauntings were kind of first made known. He was originally born in Edgecombe County, North Carolina in 1750. So this is... A little ways back. A long time ago. A long time ago. John was an apprentice barrel maker. John was an apprentice barrel maker during his formative years and later pursued a career in farming. He married Lucy Williams in 1782 when she was 12 years old. And how old was he? And he was 32. Ugh. Now, it was a different time.
0: Different time. Well, I mean, we're that far back where 12-year-olds and 32-year-olds are getting yeah. married.
1: But even in my notes, I, I literally wrote pause for effect. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I didn't think you were gonna react, but you know, <laughs> let's just give that, let's yeah. just give that Ooh. a moment. Um the two, however, had a very successful partnership and they went on to be very successful planters. In the winter of 1804 and 1805. Bell and his family decided to follow friends to the quote, land of milk and honey, and embarked on the dangerous journey to Tennessee. This would mean a treacherous journey over the mountains of North Carolina and East Tennessee. Their ambitions paid off, though, and they settled in an area called Red River, which is in present day Adams, Tennessee. Geographically, Adams is about an hour north of Nashville. If you're like familiar with Mm -hmm. Tennessee geography. And I, of course, had to Google Maps, like how far would it be if I were to drive right now from where they left in North Carolina to where they settled in Tennessee? And if you were to drive it, it's an eight hour drive because you have to drive through the mountains. So I cannot imagine an 1804 saying, we're just going to head out. And like, I'm
0: assuming they had like
1: wagons or carriages. They had or... wagons. They had young children. They yeah. had some babies. Um, and again, it's uh, of the times they had a few slaves that accompanied them as well. Um, um which you know is a whole thing. Sure. sure. Um, we do but, not condone. <laughs> well, no. Um, but it's it's what it, it was, it, right? Um, but yeah, they just set out with like. Wagons and axes and horses and just went for it. Okay. So the fact that they all made it and they settled in this very nice area was a little bit miraculous, in my opinion. I know people probably did it all the time, but I considered that notable. Yeah. The Bells went on to have in total nine children. Okay. There was Jesse, Benjamin, Drury, John Jr., Esther, Zadok, Elizabeth, who is known as Betsy, Richard Williams, and Joel. It was reported that each of the children really flourished. I mean, this was all the kids. I mean, I would love to have nine very successful kids. (laughs) It's nice to know there wasn't like a bad apple among them, but everyone in the town said the kids were all wonderful kids. They were well-behaved, well-educated, Uh, John Bell Sr. became one of the wealthiest and most influential men in the community, and he was very well respected. According to other townspeople, he had much integrity, hospitality, and quote, Christian morals. Okay. Highly esteemed. His home was also a welcoming one. So travelers, be the neighbors or strangers, were always invited in for food, lodging, and just general hospitality. So people were stopping over all the time. They'd knock on the door, say, hey, can we just hang here for the night? And they would just let him in. Okay. So a nice family. Very nice family. The trouble for the Bell family began in 1817 and continued through 1821. Lucy and John's son, Richard Williams who went by Williams, so we'll just refer to him as Williams from here on out, was around six to 10 years old during the time of these mysterious manifestations that we'll go into. When he was 35, he recorded 90 pages of his recollections of the happening on the Bell Farm. When he was on his deathbed, he gave this manuscript to his son, James Allen Bell, and he told him to safeguard the journal as like a piece of family history and history of Tennessee and not to share it with anyone, though, until all the immediate family members of John Bell Sr. had passed away. Mm -hmm. So meaning him and all of his nine brothers and, and, well, I guess eight brothers and sisters Mm -hmm. until all the nine children had passed away. Okay. In 1890, the youngest son of Lucy and John Bell, Joel Egbert Bell, died at the age of 76. It was then that James Allen Bell, also known as J.A. Bell, wrote to the newspaper editor Martin V. Ingram about his father's manuscript. There's a lot of Bells in this story so I hope I'm I, I hope I'm keeping them straight. You are. Okay, good. <laughs> I am if I look dazed it's cuz I'm following. Okay, all right. I just want to make sure cuz it took me a while, I will tell like an hour of this because everybody has like several names and so it took me a while to keep everything straight i'm like wait is that the same guy and everybody's a bell so it was really hard to tell but anyway so this would be the grandson of john bell senior who now had this manuscript from his father wrote to this newspaper editor um martin ingram and said listen i got something i think you might be interested in here is a portion of the original letter from bell to ingram now, nearly 75 years having elapsed, the old members of the family who suffered the torments having all passed away, and the witch story still continues to be discussed as widely as the family name is known, under misconception of the facts, I have concluded that in justice to the memory of an honored ancestry, and to the public also whose minds have been abused in regard to the matter, it would be well to give the whole story to the world. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Now, the remaining Bell family members argued that waiting to release the manuscript was the right thing to do. Okay, that's nice. Yeah. They approved of that, his wishes. Yeah, they approved of the wishes, and they said, it makes sense because we wouldn't want these people that have, you know, lived through these torments to have to re-experience, you know, re-experience, is that a word? To relive. Yeah. To relive, to have to remember Mm -hmm. the hauntings. Some naysayers, though, are a little suspicious of the fact that the manuscript only came to light after all the eyewitnesses of the haunting had passed away.
0: Okay. All right. I didn't think of that. But okay. I can see their point
1: as well. Yeah. I mean, I can see both sides of it. Um, Nonetheless, it's how it unfolded. In 1894, Martin V. Ingram published An Authenticated History of the Bell Witch. Much of the story, um, I'm sorry, much of the book is a great record of history, personalities in the villages, insights into religious views, and kind of morals of the time. Mm -hmm. Chapter eight, though, is the complete manuscript of, quote, our family trouble, as it is written by Williams Bell. Okay. So chapter eight is the 90 pages that he originally wrote. Okay. In this book. Naturally. Naturally everything i'm going to tell you is everything out of chapter eight so i really had a fun time with this and kind of picking apart what i had heard and then honestly it was a little difficult reading words that were written in 1850 um but a lot of fun as i mentioned before the hauntings began around 1817 and from reports it started with small things From what the family put together later, John Bell Sr. was the first to encounter the haunting, or what would eventually become known as the Bell Witch. While walking through his cornfield, I already want to pause because cornfields are terrifying. So scary. I'm not kidding. I really think it's like verging on, like, not phobia, I don't know, but like, oh, (laughs) I cannot yeah okay so we have a lot of phobias here at the dark oak (laughs) i wonder if there's a such thing as a phobia of a cornfield i don't know but i just believe even if i'm standing next to it something is going to grab me like it's the equivalent for me you know how like kids think if like their legs hanging out from under the covers on the bed like the monster in the bed is going to grab your leg Uh i feel like something is going to grab me and pull me into the cornfield so do you do like corn mazes oh oh no oh oh like we do one every year no like hyperventilate city now it's funny about the mazes it's not the maze per se because you know some of them around here will do like hay bale mazes sure i'm fine with the hay bale
0: it's just the corn the
1: the corn no i don't know that scene from signs signs thank you i don't know for some reason that one and like The weird noises they made on like the baby monitor that, like, (laughs) yeah, the clicking. (laughs) Yeah, the clicking. clicking. So, literally, every time I walk by a cornfield, I hear clicking in the back of my mind, like, (laughs) and I'm like, run away. So, I'm already terrified by just the first chapter, like the first paragraph of the first chapter that said he was in a cornfield. And I'm like, well, we're all doomed. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. So, while walking through his shutter, Cornfield. (laughs) (laughs) He encountered an animal unlike anything he had ever seen. He couldn't quite make out what it was, but it appeared to be an animal with the body of a dog and the head of a rabbit. Okay, that's pretty scary and kind of weird. He shot at it because he happened to have a shotgun with him and it just ran off into the cornfield. Okay, I will not have nightmares forever. (laughs) A dog, rabbit. Okay, <laughs> making weird cl- 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 little in a cornfield. Oh my gosh! <laughs> now, a few days later, Drury, um, or Drew, as he's referred to, saw a large bird. He first thought it was a turkey. I mean, they're out in the fields sure. of Tennessee, right? But as he got closer, it flapped its wings and soared off. And it was very clear to him at that point that it was not a turkey, but a quote unknown bird of extraordinary size. Like the
0: Mothman or something. Yeah, something weird. I just watched that movie, so that's what I'm seeing. (laughs) Yeah,
1: I'm like, wait, does he live in the cornfield too? No, I'm even more scared. What doesn't live in the cornfield, (laughs) Stephanie? My worst fears, (laughs) confirmed. Exactly. (laughs) Next was Dean, a slave of the Bells, who said every time he went to visit his wife, who lived at a different homestead, a large black dog would appear in the exact same place on the road in front of him, but would then disappear. Okay. Yeah. Now, I I mean, they did say in the book Dean had a bit of an imagination, but he was this, like, pretty, like, brawny, very, like, muscular dude. And he was terrified. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Once members of the family started discussing the events, John Bell Sr. decided that no one in the family should speak about the happenings to anyone else. And I kind of see that, right? He was like, okay, we don't want to sound like you know, crazy people, crazy people. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So let's just see if we can figure out what's going on on our own. Well, and then
0: also, we have to remember, like, back in the old days, man, if you were associated with, like, witches or werewolves, as we learned a <laughs> yes. few episodes back. Exactly. Like, you know, fair
1: trials were not what they are today. Yeah. Episode 13. Yeah. Man, gave us a little insight. <laughs> Don't be caught on the wrong side of history, folks. Yes. <laughs> um, but unfortunately, the strategy didn't really work because the incidents continued to increase. In 1818, the Bells started noticing strange knocks at the door, and no one would be there. The knocks eventually spread to the outside of the house. Oh, okay. See, now that that freaks me All over the outside of the walls. Ooh. Yeah. Even then, the family tried to explain away the events as saying it's some kind of prankster. A woodpecker. Right? Like somebody is messing with us. Or a woodpecker. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) But these sounded more like human knocks, like actual knocks. Even though, I don't know, it could have been a woodpecker. You never know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, they're in the country. Maybe it's a squirrel, a raccoon, who the heck knows, right? Right, right, right. Well, in May of that year, in the room that John Jr. and Drew shared, both boys were awakened to what sounded like a rat gnawing on the bedpost. Okay. As soon as they got out of bed. The noise stopped, and they couldn't find any evidence a rat had been there. No chew marks, no scratches. But as soon as they would get back in bed, the gnawing would begin again. This continued night after night. They turned the room upside down, moving all of the furniture multiple times, but were never able to find a rat or even where a rat could be hiding. They couldn't find any little nooks and crannies. They couldn't find anywhere a rat could be. The gnawing noises then moved into Betsy's room and eventually just spread all over the rest of the house. Okay. But they were, I mean,
0: because I've had rodents like in my attic or whatever. I do know what that sounds like. But it was very clear. Okay, there's, I mean, we never saw it. But they should be able to confirm if they do have like a rodent and they were never Like able an to. infestation. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. After time, though... The chewing noises were joined by scratching, <laughs> yeah. which, again, okay, say you have, like, rodent. a rodent issue, mm-hmm. right? But the scratches grew larger and louder than what you would expect from a rodent, and it sounded like a full-on, like, a dog scratching on the oh, floor. God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Wow. I, yeah. You just unlocked a phobia I have had
0: <laughs> for years. Weird animal noises? No, okay, so... I don't know what movie I was watching or maybe I dreamt it. But uh, since I was a little girl, I've had a phobia of like looking through a screened in like a screen door and seeing a person on all fours like a dog <gasps> looking at me scratching on the screen.
1: I am actually so angry you shared that with me because now <laughs> I see it and now I'm terrified. Isn't
0: that terrifying?
1: Thank you for that. you That's That's great. <laughs> I will be sleeping with the light on. Ew. Ew.
0: I, I know. And I don't know if I saw it in a movie and it freaked me out or if I dreamt it. But I'm telling you, like, I can see it. And I have been afraid of seeing. I don't know. I've been afraid of somebody on all fours pawing on my screen door my whole life
1: now as am i <laughs> <laughs> and all of our listeners with the cornfield in the background you are welcome <laughs> uh,
0: when you said scratching that's what i saw okay sorry
1: yeah okay well you just made it even creepier thank you and well i mean these noises would already make it impossible for you to sleep yeah it's right? terrifying okay so here's for me the icing on the cake as far as the scary factor The family then reported that someone or something started pulling off their bed coverings (laughs) at night. (laughs) So you're in the dark, right? There's no electricity. (laughs) That's right. The only light you would have is a few little candles or something. Right. And something is tearing off your sheets. No. And as it's happening... There would be sounds like lip smacking or heavy breathing. I do not like that. No, thank you. I do not. I mean... Actually, I don't want to do lip smacking because that's, uh, no, I'm not going to do it. I was literally going to demonstrate. And I said, no, I'd rather not have that recorded. It's never great to hear lip smacking on a podcast. No, we're <laughs> not. We're not going to do it. But you guys get the idea.
0: She has to edit all mine
1: out, folks. <laughs> so she hears enough. I'll just throw some of Cynthia's in later. <laughs> Now, the sounds continued to escalate, and soon they were no longer that of just an animal, but they were more aggressive, like heavy rocks falling, chains dragging, oh my furniture gosh. moving, really disruptive. The last draw for the family came when the haunting began to pull the hair of the children, oh. especially that of Betsy. Like, they would be laying in bed, and all of a sudden they would feel this, like, hand come, and then, like, their hair get pulled and they would just wake up screaming, right? And they're little kids. Yeah. So several nights in a row, Lucy and John Sr. would just stay up all night and, like, keep vigil over the children with the lights on because the haunting didn't come when there were lights there, or, like, when they were oh, visible. it was only yeah. in the dark. Only in the dark, which is also creepy. That's interesting. Yeah. So after a few nights of this, though, they were like, okay, we've got to get some help. So John Sr. sought the advice of his neighbor and best friend, James Johnson, and he asked James and his wife to stay over at the house and see if they would experience anything, and James agreed. He wanted to help this friend out. So before everyone went to bed, James sang some religious songs, as he often did, and he prayed um, for the family, and he prayed uh, for whatever the spirit was, and he basically prayed that everyone would be relieved of this haunting. That Night, the house came alive with noises. The scratching, the gnawing, the banging. It would be in every room when it was in the dark, but would stop as soon as the lights came on in that particular room.
0: That's terrifying. I also wonder why didn't they just like keep a lantern lit in every room. I mean, I guess you they probably did, but it still doesn't take the problem away. Like there's still something there. Yeah. But I think I would definitely never let my house be dark.
1: Well, and I think that's the idea. But uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I think you do. But again, they have nine kids.
0: Right. Yeah. So I I guess they
1: could all... Like they're in separate rooms.
0: Right. So And again, no electricity. So you're talking candles or wax or whatever.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Now, James also heard the lip smacking and teeth sucking (sighs) and heavy breathing. And so he became convinced... That he was dealing with some kind of like human entity, like more of like, the you know, because there were kind of a lot of animal noises and stuff. Sure. But he said, no, I feel like this is like some kind of human, like more intelligent, like haunt or being. (gasps) I just got chills just everywhere. (laughs) (sighs) So he screamed out to him because all these noises were going on. In the name of the Lord, what and who are you? What do you want and why are you here? I have to say, I actually think he's kind of my hero. I don't know that I would have the wherewithal to just be like, I'm just going to confront this thing. Right. All these crazy noises. But he wanted to help his friend. so That's wonderful. He's a great guy to have on your side, right? Now, after this, the sounds stopped momentarily. Hmm. But then they started back up again. It was reported that all the bed coverings after that would be ripped off as fast as they could be replaced. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So whatever it is, it sounds not nice, not nice. And there was also reported if you would try to hold on to your bed covering, like if mm-hmm. you were really holding tight, that it would slap you in the face to make wow. you let go. Okay, of your so bed
0: definitely like
1: in, malicious hit, trickstery,
0: yeah. right? Like it's one thing to just be like, "Ooh, I'm going to make some scary noises and wake you up," but it's another thing to, "I'm going to slap you," "I'm going to pull your hair," N- not a nice. I'm going to growl, spirit. And, yeah,
1: yeah, scare you. Yeah, yeah. The entity almost seemed to focus most of its energy on Betsy, who seemed to regularly have her hair pulled hmm. and her cheeks slapped. Like she would just come out of the room, and her cheeks would be flame red, like somebody had been slapping her. And how on old the b- cheeks. was she?
0: Do you know exactly?
1: I mean, young. Okay. Um, I think at this time, ten or twelve. Okay, so I little, think. little, Aww. yeah. Finding no other way to get relief, John Sr. decided to tell the other townspeople about the phenomenon that they were facing, and according to writings, friends and neighbors were super generous to the Bells. Many offered to stay overnight to watch over the family and the home as the Bells slept so that they could catch up on some of their sleep. Oh, wow. Yeah, some seeing the anguish inflicted on Betsy even offered to let her stay over with them at night in their house. Unfortunately, this little glimmer of hope was dashed when it was found that the torment would follow her wherever she went. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I don't know that I'd be like, hey, can I take your haunted kid? <laughs> can I take your haunted kid? Exactly. <laughs> so she would wake up in the middle of the night, the same thing, like getting like basically beaten up oh, by this poor spirit. poor baby. Was she the only girl? Did you? No, there's one other okay. girl as okay. well, an older sister. Okay. Um, and moreover, it didn't really help anyway, because even if she would be haunted at a friend's house, the mm-hmm. house would still be, still be haunted. haunted as well. Okay. so it didn't it's not like it was necessarily following her, Mm -hmm. um, but it would just be haunting at like multiple places. Okay. Yeah. So a little bit disappointing. Yeah. Yeah. Poor thing. As word spread about the odd happenings in the bell farm, more curious visitors began to arrive. It was soon a pastime of guests to try to speak to the unknown entity. (laughs) Wise. (laughs) Always, (laughs) always talk to it. A- Absolutely. After a series of inquiries of the haunt, it was realized that the entity could answer number questions. Like if you would ask it something like how many people are in the room or how many horses in the barn or how many miles to a certain place, according to Williams, who, again, we're reading his manuscript, quote, the answers would come in wraps like a man knocking on the wall, Ooh. the bureau or the bedpost with his fist. Or by so many scratches on the wall, like the noise of a nail or claws. And the answers were invariably correct.
0: Oh, my gosh. Okay, that's so, that's really yuck.
1: Yeah, it's yuck. Because now you're like, it's intelligent. Yeah,
0: knock, 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 scratch, scratch.
1: scratch. I don't know. The idea of like a claw. Scratching out the numbers to me is, no, thank you. And still more visitator, visitators, <laughs> visitators and spectators. <laughs> more visitors and spectators and mystics began to come to the house and to witness this haunting. And again, more people wanted to talk to the spirit because they find out it can answer questions, right? Now, what they're finding, though, is each time they're entertaining the spirit, it seems to be gaining strength. Ooh. And soon it began answering questions in what would be described as a whistle, which then turned into a whisper. <gasps> oh no. And then a full on soft feminine voice. <sighs>
0: yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like the power is growing the more attention it gets, like mm-hmm. the more energy, which oh, OK, I just believe my dad's always said, if you don't want something in your life, you don't feed it. So you don't mm-hmm. talk about it. You don't give energy to it. Whatever. You just don't feed it. They're feeding it. They're giving it all this energy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yuck. Yeah. OK.
1: Now, understanding that the disembodied voice was that of a woman, it was decided that the unknown spirit was that of a witch. Of course. Right. Yeah. She's if it had she's... been a male, werewolf. <laughs>
0: Episode thirteen. If you haven't listened, listen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, or warlock isn't that the isn't that the male equivalent of a witch? Oh, well, yeah, but back, yeah, but werewolf is more werewolf fun. <laughs> werewolf is a way. There more were the fun. werewolf trials and the no, witch trials. It's true. No, it's absolutely true. The werewolf would be more of a masculine. Yeah, t- <laughs> Team Jacob. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Um, shortly thereafter, now that she could speak, and she's been Ugh. quantified as a witch. The question was asked again, who are you and what do you want? The answer was, I am a spirit. I was once very happy, but have been disturbed. Ew. That's a quote. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. Ew. Uh Uh-huh. Some time passed without any additional explanation from the witch. But when she was asked again about her identity and purpose, she stated again that she was once happy, but has now been disturbed and is unhappy. So the reasonable question was asked, how were you disturbed and what makes you unhappy? The answer came, I am the spirit of the person who was buried in the woods nearby and the grave has been disturbed. My bones disinterred and scattered. And one of my teeth was lost under this house, and I'm here looking for that tooth. Okay. Right. It was at that very time that the family remembered a few years back when they had found some graves while clearing land on the property. The men working made sure to steer clear of disturbing any of the remains, but a boy down the street heard about the discovery and convinced the son, Drew, to visit the grave with him to try to find treasure. Drew agreed, and while they dug, they moved the bones all around and really disturbed a particular skeleton. After some time, the boys realized they couldn't find any hidden artifacts or riches or whatever it is they were looking for. And so the neighbor boy instead decided to take home a jawbone from one of the skeletons. Oh my gosh. Which is so morbid and weird. I don't. I don't... A different time. It's a... Mm, yeah. But I... even back then. <laughs> but even back then. That's weird. It's a little weird. Yeah. So this little boy who... Mm, man, I hope I hope my kids don't ever play with this little boy. But he decided to stop at the Bell Home before he went to his house. And he just saw this jawbone and just slung it against the wall of the Bell House. No idea why. But when he did, a tooth was indeed knocked loose and fell onto the floorboards and fell through a crack onto the dirt floor underneath the floorboards. And all this was able to be confirmed. Like, this is confirmed, like, that... Yeah, well, the family said, yeah, that did happen. Like, we remember that. They weren't sure about the tooth, necessarily. Uh But one of the boys said, yeah, we think something fell on the crack. Wow. And and again, now, when this happened, like, when the jawbone hit the wall Mm -hmm. and then fell to the floor... John Sr. came around the corner and was like, what are you guys doing? And then, you know, confronted them Right. said, what are you guys thinking? So he was furious about the whole thing. Of course. So he told the boys and some of the helpers that they had on the farm to go back and basically put everything back. Okay. Put the jawbone back. Put the tooth. Put the skeleton back as it was. Cover it back up. Let's be respectful. And then after that, they didn't talk about it anymore. Again, this was like years back, right? Nothing happened. Nothing Nothing happened. Years later,
0: when she realized her tooth was missing. Yeah. And now your house is haunted and they need a tooth. Okay. Cause that makes sense. Cause I'm thinking, if all of her bones were scattered, what is it about the tooth being under the house? But if everything
1: was put back except for the tooth. Exactly. Now, John Bell Sr. probably wouldn't have given it (laughs) a second thought, except he's like, listen, if giving her her tooth back is gonna make this go away, like I'm willing to do anything, right? rip up the floorboards he did so he ripped up the floorboards and he himself was literally on his hands and knees in the dirt under the house like sifting through all the dirt to try Mm -hmm. to find this tooth and then he heard laughing oh no no the witch who said i can't believe you're down there that was all a big joke oh my gosh yeah take a moment what I, I just got, like, this wave of, like, chills. Like, what? Oh. Uh. What? So, I don't really know how to interpret that. Is the witch cheeky? Is the witch just kind of a bee? <laughs> I don't really know. I, what I don't
0: know, but I do kind of like this phrase. I kind of like the whole... I was once happy, but I have been disturbed. Like, I kind of feel like I could say that every day of my life. Listen.
1: Relatable. I was
0: once happy, but I have been disturbed. And now I am unhappy. So I'm kind of like, I don't know, like relatable I kind of get it lady
1: (laughs) I feel like that should go on some of our dark oak swag (laughs) I was once happy Uh, but I I have been disturbed disturbed. (laughs) I'm just
0: gonna go home and if the dishes are yes when I left a clean sink this morning
1: if I go home to dirty dishes
0: listen household
1: no that was me last night as I was laying comfy in my bed and then I hear a cat vomit in the corner Uh. of my sheets (laughs) I was once happy. Now I've been disturbed. <laughs> oh, but how creepy! Like she's ha
0: ha ha ha. That uh-huh. was just a joke. Oh, she's mad now. I think any kind of disembodied laughter is a no go
1: for me. Right? I mean,
0: it's oh. it's worse than disembodied crying.
1: Well, is it? I don't know. They're I hand you. No, I feel like it's <laughs> two sides of the same coin. There. Ooh. Next, the witch said she was an ancient spirit who had come back to tell someone about a buried treasure on the property. She told them that they promised to give all the money to Betsy, that she would tell them where the treasure was buried. All agreed, and she gave them the location. Several members of the family and James Johnson, remember the guy that was like, who are you and what did you Mm -hmm. want? He decided to go with them. He's so awesome. And they were like, we're going to go. We're going to go do what the witch had asked us to do, because, again, we're not only going to find treasure, but then she'll go away because her purpose has been fulfilled. They went to the specific area. She said it was under a large rock near this specific stream. And when they got there, there was no doubting. Like, this is exactly where it is. Like, it had all the landmarks and everything. So they started digging and they toiled all day into the evening and could never find anything. They said, there's just nothing here. So they went back to the house. When they got back to the house, the witch again started laughing (laughs) and started impersonating each of the men working. Like when they would like get like overheated or winded or had complained about how hard the work was. And she did it in their voices. Oh, my gosh. Now, apparently, though, it was funny. Because it's reported that other family members started laughing at her impersonations. And then... Oh, the bell witch. She's such a hoot. This is what I'm saying. I was like, wait, what is happening right now? I don't know how I feel about this. (laughs) She's such a hoot. Did you hear that, bell witch? Well, okay, so that's funny. That's what happened. So people, again, that were still coming regularly to be entertained by the witch... She started telling the story over. So she's just a performer. That's all it is. She's just like, I just need an audience, y'all. So every night she would tell this story again and do the impersonations. Be here all weekend. Yeah. And everybody was like, she's so funny.
0: (laughs) I kind of like her. She terrifies me, but I also kind of like her.
1: Yeah, so people were they're like, "Oh my gosh, you got to go, you got to go hear the new story from that witch. She's amazing." Wow. Yeah, this disembodied voice of yeah. a witch telling you these funny stories about these men that she sent on a fool's errand. <laughs> I I don't I don't know how I feel about any of this. Um it was also noted that at this time the witch began to visit the home during the day as well as at night. Mm. So you could come around the clock to hear funny stories <laughs> Jeez, from <tits>. the witch. <laughs> The witch also showed a real knowledge of religion. Okay. And she could sing any hymn from the time, and she could quote any Bible scripture word for word and do both absolutely correctly. It was also reported she had a really great singing voice. Okay. So, like
0: <laughs> I'm now I'm now envisioning. Okay, so in the beginning. It was like kind of creepy. Like, and now I'm just like, what? You just walk into the house and you're like, hey, Tommy,
1: nice to see you. Did I tell you about your uncle last week when he was looking fit? For... Like, Listen, it's I'm not here to judge the folklore of the South. Okay. I'm just here to report. I'm just, you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> Let me I sing your little ditty. <laughs> Apparently, she had a great singing voice. Well. You'll really like this part, too. Okay. The witch also turned into a bit of a gossip. Oh, sure. About people about town. (laughs) And neighbors would come over and, like, ask her for the tea on their neighbors. They would say, listen, what was going on with so-and-so with so-and-so? And she normally would have the answer about what was going on. And if she didn't, she would say, hold on a minute. Let me find out. And then she would come back in, like, five, ten minutes and tell them everything that was happening in that house. Okay.
0: All right. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't there. I can't say it didn't happen. We can't. Who
1: could say? (laughs) Now, even though the witch seemed to be, you know, kind of funny, kind of cheeky. Kind of likable. Kind of likable, right? All the noises in the home and the physical abuses against John Sr. and Betsy were still persisting, though. Well, you know. So. (laughs) Wait, I feel like you're turning into a non-believer at this point. I don't know. I need you to get back. I need your head to be back in the game, Cynthia. <laughs> she was
0: happy when she had her audience. But <laughs> when things quieted down and everybody went to sleep and she had no one to entertain, she found herself disturbed. Let, let me get you back into right, the hard this case. Bring me back. Okay? Because it's...
1: I feel like I'm losing you. <laughs> now, Betsy would often have what appeared to be fainting spells that lasted, like, 30 or 40 minutes. Okay. But instead of actually fainting, she would be, like, struggling to catch her breath, like someone or something was strangling her. Okay. Now, the witch never officially took responsibility for these incidents, but it was assumed that it was from her. Well, sure. Yeah. John Sr. suffered from the sensation that he had a stick wedged sideways in his mouth, which would be awful. Um, And in the beginning, it didn't cause pain and it would quickly pass. But then it started to increase in severity. So his tongue would like swell on both sides and they called it like a stiffening. Like he literally wouldn't be able to move his tongue. And he would be unable to talk or eat for hours. Like this sounds not cool. No, I mean, I can literally like imagine
0: what that would feel like, even though I've never experienced that. Like what a weird.
1: Yeah, weird. Yeah, yeah, weird. Soon, though, the witch seemed to tire of tormenting Betsy and just focused all on John Sr. though. And not only the physical stuff, but she really developed a severe dislike for him. And so she was always yelling um, curses at him, insulting him, just really being nasty to him. And she promised to haunt him until the end of his life. Okay. Unfortunately, the witch's premonitions seemed to be coming true as John Sr. started not only dealing with paralysis of the tongue, but also started having twitching and contortions of his face that plagued him until his death. Mm. So it kind of spread from just the tongue to these just really awful like face, uh, like contortion, paralysis, twitching issues, which also sounds awful. It Sounds awful. Yeah. Seeking more answers to the family's plight, a prominent preacher came to the home, demanding to know the identity of the witch. The witch finally answered that she was the witch of Old Kate Batts. Now, Mrs. Kate Bats was a very real, very living, eccentric woman who resided in the town. Oh, so she was still alive. She was an actual person still living. She was like a neighbor. Okay. so I was going to say, do they have any way of figuring out whose graves were actually disturbed? No, they don't. No, the thought was that they were uh, like Native American okay. grave sites mm-hmm. just because of where it was okay. in that time. They think it was like a Native American um, burial place.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so this is completely unrelated to okay. the skeleton. Um, but they just said this was the witch of old Kate Batts. And unfortunately for Miss Batts, she actually was a really good person that just lived. She was an extra neighbor. Or she made us think that while she haunted <laughs> the Bell family. You know, that could be totally true, too. <laughs> Um, but neighbor by day, witch by night, <laughs> I do feel like the witch though, was just kind of poking yeah, fun being... at her, Aww. like just kind of being mean. And unfortunately for Mrs. Kate Bats, uh, the witch was referred to as Kate Aww. from this point forward. So anytime they went to address the witch, they addressed her as Kate, which actually really angered. The real Kate. Um. <laughs> it's like now if your name's Karen. <laughs> yes, exactly. They were like, oh, that bell witch Kate. And she's like, wait a minute. Come on. Oh man. It was also at this time, though, that the witch developed multiple personalities. Um, there were four in total, and they all had names and they all had different voices. Okay. Yeah. And apparently this caused a lot of trouble for the family because they would have like these like arguments with each other (laughs) really disturbing the household. Sure. (laughs) Because one was not enough.
0: Now that sounds like a demon or something. Not good. No, not good. (laughs) I think it
1: might be worse than a witch. Yeah. At one time, a detective who introduced himself as Mr. Williams came to the house, and he claimed to be curious about the witch, and he offered his services. He's like, maybe I can come to the bottom of what's going on here. John Bell Sr., being very polite, invited him in and treated him very kindly. Come on in. We'll give you a bed. We'll give you some food. For some reason, though, Kate mostly kept to herself the first few nights. Again, this is the witch, Kate. Mm-hmm. Not, right. The, not not Kate.
0: the living Kate. Yeah, so
1: I'm going to... for. Whenever I refer to Kate, it's the witch. Now. Okay. So Kate mostly kept to herself. Um, and so this detective was like, oh, it must be a hoax then mm-hmm. because mm. you guys are worried I'm going to find you out. So we kind of mentioned it to a neighbor like it's a hoax. The mm-hmm. family is in on it. And this neighbor mentioned this to John Sr. who like lost his mind mm. and was like, absolutely not. How dare you say that we're doing this? And so he told Mr. Williams, gather all your stuff. You're not staying in my house anymore. And then at that moment, Kate piped up and said, no, you don't, old Jack. That's how she referred to John Sr. No, you don't, old Jack. I will attend to him. (gasps) Which, okay. I mean, all laughing aside, he'd be like, no, I'm just, I'm going to excuse myself. Thank you. (laughs) A believer he will be. Yes. So that night, as the detective lay on the straw mat set out for him, he awoke to a force upon him, holding him down and beating and scratching him while he was screaming. <sighs> Running down from upstairs, Lucy and John Sr., Little Candle, and the beating immediately stopped as soon as there was light in the room. As Detective Williams sat in the dark with a lit candle next to him, Kate demanded that the detective tell her who he thought could be committing the hoax and why they would do so. She also demanded that he tell her that he believed the haunting to be genuine. So basically, she just sat there and just harassed him, like, the rest of the night. The next morning, at the very break of day, Detective Williams left before eating his breakfast. Okay. A believer. A believer he was. Yes, now, interestingly, Lucy, who's the mother of uh-huh. John Sr.'s wife, seemed to be a favorite of the witch and not like in a bad way, like in a really good way. Like she almost like doted on her. She was always praising her, talking about what a good mother she was. And like we've never seen such an honorable woman on the face of this earth. I mean, kind of. I mean, she's a woman's woman. She's a woman's woman. Girl power. <laughs> <laughs> But she was always telling, but then again, she beat up Betsy, but she was a girl. So I don't know, but she really loved Lucy and she referred to her as Loose. She called her Loose all the time. Yeah. Cause they were on. Hi, Loose. They're on nickname basis. They're on nickname basis. Exactly. (laughs) And now to be fair, all the reports were that Lucy was a very good mother. Sure. Yeah. But I also think it's strange that this witch is walking around just complimenting her. It seems odd to me though that this like malevolent witch would be acting so kindly towards one person and then so sinisterly towards another. Um I don't know. I think it goes back
0: to the whole listen. Like all women can relate. <laughs> I was happy, <laughs> no, and I've then I was disturbed. disturbed. <laughs> she knows this woman's got 9 kids.
1: 9 <laughs> kids. It's true. It's like true. she'd been disturbed. I got your back, loose. <laughs> I got your back, Luce. <laughs> exactly. Well, you'll like this then, because about the middle of September 1820, Lucy came down with what they called pleurisy. And pleurisy is when the lining between your lungs and your chest cavity gets inflamed. Mm-hmm. And it can be caused by all kinds of things. But she more than likely had some kind of like flu that like mm-hmm. went into an infection. Anyway, it's really painful. I mean, not fun. And I imagine going through it in the 1800s was really pretty terrible. And so she was laid up in bed and the witch was very clearly concerned. She kept speaking to her. How you doing, Luce? How are you feeling today, Luce? And she would offer to sing for her. Because remember, she has a really nice singing voice. Mm -hmm. And so she would sing for her, try to make her feel better. And if Lucy ever asked for anything... Um, and she would ask, like, her family members. Kate the witch would tell the family members where to find it. Okay. So if she needed a certain medicine, she needed a certain, like, bed linen, the witch would tell people where to find it and how Lucy wanted it. Okay. Yeah. Um, It's kind of the equivalent of maybe, like, you know, ringing the bell. Yeah. Except, you know, it's a disembodied witch voice. We're just going to ring the bell, witch. <laughs> We're just going to ring... The- Oh, I see what you did there. Man, I really set you up. Wow. that. Thanks for that. I actually feel a little foolish. I just <laughs> walked right into that one. <laughs> I'm just here ready to pounce. <laughs> and here, I thought you were all worn out after the holidays. <laughs> oh, no. She came for it She's today. She's been rejuvenated. <laughs> now, unfortunately, Lucy's disease worsens. Mm. Lucy lost her appetite and just refused to eat. She didn't feel well and she was losing strength. So neighbors started streaming in with their favorite dishes, tempting her to eat, but she was having none of it. She just said, I don't have the strength, I don't have the appetite, I'm I'm not feeling it. And this concerned everyone, including Kate. Seeing Lucy fading, Kate instructed Lucy to extend her arms and hold out her hands palm side up. When she did Hazelnuts fell from the ceiling and into her hands. Several ladies were in the room with her and witnessed the event. Kate told Lucy to eat them, but Lucy explained that she had no way to crack them. So Kate then sat down, cracked nuts. Soon a party was sent upstairs to try to find any crack in the floor to which items could be passed, but none was found. Next, Kate sent down. A beautiful bunch of wild grapes, which landed on Lucy's bed. I'm <laughs> sure it did. Listen, it happened. There were witnesses. I'm sure it did. There were witnesses.
0: <laughs> After two t- were all dead by the time any of this was told. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. All right. Well, you're taking all the fun out of this, Cynthia. <laughs> Now, after 20 days, Lucy began to recover, and Kate, pleased with Lucy's progress, redirected her attention to entertaining the throngs of friends and neighbors that had gathered at the house. During the evening of entertaining, Kate loudly exclaimed, Who wants grapes? And before anyone could answer, another huge bunch of grapes fell into Betsy's lap. Everyone shared a bite, confirming that they were indeed real grapes. Okay. Yeah. And fortunately for the Bell family, any amount of love and care Kate bestowed on Lucy, the opposite would be true for her treatment of John Sr. <laughs> Kate's grand finale would be her long predicted demise of John Bell Sr. Bum, bum, bum. The thickening of his tongue and face twitching and contortions grew more frequent and severe. The witch grew with anger at John and was constantly cursing him and shaming him, making sure he had no rest. But again, to the contrary, was kind and nurturing to Lucy. These spells would put him out for days at a time until finally he would get some relief. One day, John Sr. and Williams, remember the writer Mm -hmm. of the story we're reading, went out to check on some of their livestock. This was a day he had just had a spell, but he was feeling better. He felt stronger and he wanted to go out and look at the pigs with Williams. Williams noted that John senior's shoes kept being yanked from his feet, regardless of how tightly Williams tied them. So these were John senior's shoes and they would just like fly off. And Williams noted he would put them back on tie them very tightly. The road was smooth. There was no reason his shoes should have been coming off, but they started flying off. And so he considered this kind of, like, a bad omen. Because, you know.
0: Yes, uh, as would I. (laughs) Something is unusual about this. This seems strange. (laughs) 17 times I've had to put this same shoe back on, tying
1: it tightly. And yet, again, (laughs) Huh. So he was bent down, putting another shoe onto, you know, John Sr.'s foot, and he heard a slap. Ooh. John Sr. had been slapped in the face. And the contortions totally took over oh. his face. Shortly he came to, but his spirit was now broken. Oh. With tears in his eyes, he told Williams that the witch would get her wish soon and he would be unable to continue. The two prayed to God for relief and returned to the house. John Sr. never left the home again and shortly became bedbound. On December 19th, John Sr. didn't wake up early as he was known to do. After breakfast, it was decided to wake him, but he was not able to be aroused. John Jr. went to the medicine cabinet to get John Sr.'s medicine and couldn't find it and actually couldn't find any of the medicine that had been prescribed by his doctor. All he could find was a single smoky vial, about two-thirds full of an unknown brown liquid. He asked whom of the medicine, and no one would admit to it. No one in the house admitted to it. Immediately, the doctor was sent for. Upon his arrival, Kate told everyone, quote, It is useless for you to try and relieve old Jack. I've got him this time. He will never get back up from that bed again. Yeah, so that's not so great. The doctor examined the medicine vial and confirmed that he had not brought it. He confirmed that the smell of the liquid was on John Sr.'s breath, but he couldn't be sure of its contents. So whatever was in the vial smelled like something that was coming from John, but again, he had no idea what it was. When Kate was asked about the vial, she said, I put it in there and gave old Jack a big dose out of it last night while he was sleeping, which fixed him. Yeah. No. It was suggested that the liquid in the vial be tested on something. So, okay, close your ears, animal. Right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But they caught a cat. Oh, a cat. I know. And they put a smear of liquid on its tongue. Oh, man. I know. I guess it was better than giving it to a kid. But still, none of this is great. And the cat rolled over several times, stretched out, and died. Oh. I know. Poor kitty. It does sound like it was quick. So. Yeah, that's good.
0: Quicker than it was
1: for old Jack. For old Jack. (laughs) Still, no one is sure how it came to be in John Sr., right? Because he was essentially bed bound. So who gave it to him. He never did wake up or gain consciousness, but instead, at the age of 70, slipped away on the morning of December 20th, 1820. That's sad. John Bell was the first person in history to pass away from supernatural causes. Oh. Interesting bit of history, right? It is. Kate, for her part, began celebrating and singing happy songs. She's a trip. A trip. Nothing was heard again from her until John's funeral, where she could be heard singing over and over the song, Row Me Up Some Brandio. Now, I have actually, because I'm me, mm-hmm. I have gone to the end of the internet trying to find the lyrics for the song, Row Me Up Some Brandio. o." To no avail. Mm. If anybody knows the lyrics to this forgotten song that somebody sang in Tennessee (laughs) in the 1800s, please do let me know. But based on the name of the song, I would believe this is probably not a hymn. (laughs) That's what I'm guessing probably has to do with drinking. That's what I thought. Yes. So that's, I'm sorry I was not able to give you the exact definition or lyrics, but it's not great. But anyway, she sang it over and over as everyone was proceeding into the house. Whenever it was in the house, the singing stopped. In the spring of 1821, the witch, who had become less vocal and demonstrative after the death of John, bid the Bell family farewell. She announced she she would return in seven years to check on everyone. In February of 1828, the family did report a brief period of noises and bed cover removals, but ultimately the witch moved on permanently. In 1856, a publication called the Saturday Evening Press published an anonymous article stating that Betsy Bell had been studying ventriloquism and had been the person perpetuating the hoax from the beginning Mm. upon hearing this betsy absolutely denied it and threatened the publication with litigation for libel the post retracted the article and issued an apology
0: Hmm. but that's interesting Uh
1: current skeptical examinations of the bell witch case conclude that john senior's maladies were more than likely true but not that of a curse He was probably suffering from a neurological disorder. Yeah, I thought that when you were talking about that. Yeah, that couldn't be explained. Yeah, especially in the 1800s. Exactly. So the witch was a good scapegoat for that. Mm -hmm. Um, As for the voices and other observances, fingers have continually kind of pointed towards Betsy Bell. Some have even accused her of suffering from something called post whoa poltergeist faking syndrome. Oh, interesting. It's a thing. Oh. Um, and it's when someone, usually a child, is responsible for what appears to be a haunting. Okay. She's normally. Okay. E- well, she was a child when she got married, so. Well, no, no, no. That's Lucy. This is Betsy, the daughter. Oh,
0: this is Betsy. Wait. Betsy is the one who's ven- studying ventriloquism. Yeah. Betsy. Yeah. The one who also got the brunt until her father.
1: Uh-huh. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And remember, the witch always loved the mother, Lucy. Mm-hmm. Now, since the witch was made known, though, many maladies, crimes, and strange occurrences have all been attributed to the haunting that took place in Adams, Tennessee. Well,
0: of course.
1: In September of 1868, two men... Tom Clenard and Dick Burgess were arrested for the murder of a Mr. Smith. Clenard and Burgess said that Mr. Smith claimed the powers of witchcraft while working near the Bell Farm. And he subsequently tried to use his occult powers on the two men who retaliated by killing him. The jury of State versus Clenard and Burgess returned a not guilty verdict. Mm. They were like, what can be done? He was possessed by occult witchcraft. They had to kill him. Crazy. That is crazy. Yeah, it's like werewolf stuff. I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, you had to do it. Amy Fluker, a research affiliated with the University of Mississippi, has expressed that even if the Bell witch legend was a hoax, it still has other value. She said, as a historian of collective memory, It matters very little to my research if hauntings are real or not. It does matter that people believe they are. As a result, they can help us understand the perspectives, in this case, of 19th and 20th century Americans. Oh, yes. I totally agree with that. Mm -hmm. I totally agree with that. Yeah. Since the legend of the Bell Witch has become so popular, many visitors have flocked to the old Bell property. One of the more popular attractions is the Bell Witch Cave. Ooh. It really is. It looks really awesome. Of course, I had to look all over their website. Yeah. And it's not a fundamental part of the original recorded legend, but in the 20th century, it's become a real source of interest and belief and additional folklore. And the idea was once Kate, the Bell Witch, left the Bell home, she retreated to this to the cave. cave. Exactly. Okay. And that maybe it's a portal or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah, yes. So, yeah, of course. Yeah. Many horror movies have also taken a cue from The Bell Witch. Films like Poltergeist and the found footage Paranormal Activity series. Mm. Also scenes like the Burial Ground Disturbance in the Amityville Horror. And the haunting appearance of cherries to the Children in the 2013 release of the horror film Mama. Mm, which yes. I have not seen yet. Oh, it's, it's scary. Is it really? I mean, yeah, it's it's. It's got creepy visuals. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't watch that. Are there any cornfields in it? That I don't remember. Cornfields don't
0: freak me out the way they freak you out. So I wouldn't be like, oh, there was this cornfield. (laughs) No, I'm more like, oh, there was this really scary looking woman. No, scratching (laughs) on the floor. (laughs) On all fours as if she was a dog. (laughs) And I'm like, was there a cornfield? (laughs) (laughs) It's Like, if we made a movie together... Like, it would just be cornfields and people acting like dogs, scratching.
1: Yes. I would like to end this episode with an excerpt straight from Williams-Bell himself. Whether it was witchery, such as afflicted people in past centuries and the darker ages. Whether some gifted fiend of hellish nature, practicing sorcery for selfish enjoyment. Or some more modern science akin to that of mesmerism, or some hobgoblin native to the wilds of the country, or a disembodied soul shut out from heaven, or an evil spirit like those Paul drove out of the man into the swine, setting them mad, or a demon let loose from hell, I am unable to decide. Nor has anyone yet divined its nature or cause for appearing, and I trust this deception of the monster in all forms and shapes, and of many tongues will lead experts who may come with a wiser generation to a correct conclusion and satisfactory explanation. And that's the story of the Bell Witch. That's a good one. That yeah. was fun. I will tell you, there are, I mean, hundreds of books and documentaries oh, yeah. um, about this. I would urge you, if you really are interested in though, go go to the original, the authenticated story of the famous Bell Witch. Sure, yeah. And look there first. There really is a lot of interesting things that Ingram wound up putting before and after that talk more actually about Betsy and how she wound up getting married and kind of what happened to them after and really gives you a lot of ideas about the mindsets of just the neighbors at the time and, you know, just kind of the goings on. Um, there. And again, I'm a big history buff, so I thought that right. was a lot of fun too. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of fun, lots of ooky, spooky stuff. And do you think it's real? Do you think she was real? Here's the deal. I after listening to the other podcasts that mm-hmm. I was kind of referring to, I really thought it might have been mm. because of the way it was presented. Uh-huh. Um but after going back to the source, I don't. It's it's a little. It's probably not. I don't think it's either. I don't think it is. No, which um, makes it
0: more fun because if it's real, then that's terrifying. But yeah. if it's if it's just a hoax and people being like, I, in the beginning, I was like, "Ooh, I can see it," but then, okay, we got grapes coming from the ceiling. Like you took it too far. You took it too, you far, took Betsy. It too
1: far, Betsy. I know. I really, I really kind of wanted it to be real, and you know, there was a moment when I was writing this, I was like, "Am I being too practical in presenting the facts?" But I feel like no, present.
0: That's one of the things know. that we bring at the Dark Oak is we really. I don't know if you listeners are aware, it's actually very easy to get information wrong. Yeah, because you will see things. We really try to go beyond trying to authenticate the information we bring and make sure we're bringing actual facts, and that's not to say we're perfect. But we really do work hard to try to do that. So yeah, just know that we're not just bringing you just the fun stuff. We actually try to bring stuff that is factual.
1: Yeah. I think, you know, the real answer to the question, do I think it's real? No, but do I think people in the time thought it was real? Absolutely. 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 Yes. And so I think to present their story and what they were living through, right? you know, I think is, is neat. You Very. Know? And also I do think, I don't know, I mean, the story of like the witch, like telling funny stories and stuff. I really do think like if I was a neighbor, would I be scared or would I be intrigued? I don't know. I don't know how I would have felt during that time. I probably would have just tried to steer clear because that's just too weird. I wouldn't have played with that. I'm yeah. not going to some house where there's a <laughs> a witch
0: who's been scratching and gnawing and
1: hitting and slapping, talking. Yeah. No, not But it was really that. sweet, actually, when they originally told the town folks, Betsy in particular, had two really sweet friends that would like stay over with her that's at sweet. night to try to like protect her and stuff. And I always thought that was really nice that is know. sweet
0: but she sounds like what's that um what's that condition where you like you either hypochondria not hypochondria but that anyway where you act certain ways to, for attention hmm. it kind of sounds like what's well, possible well, I I mean, I guess you if maybe needed if some if attention if being number nine or you know yeah, of nine one of nine.
1: <laughs> exactly <laughs> well i gotta make myself stand out somehow if it was her and she was attention-seeking, I think she got it because here we are, <laughs> 250 years later, still talking, talking about, about it. Talking about little Betsy. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, I I think this is a really, yeah. a really good one. Fun one. That was very good. Thanks, Stephanie. Yeah. That was super fun. Yeah. <laughs> and you guys... Um, i don't know what i was gonna say um uh, but yeah join thanks. us next time <laughs> yeah yeah join us uh next time because we bring you more
0: thrills and chills thrills and chills
1: <laughs> and some sassy witches <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. i was happy
0: <laughs> but i've been disturbed
1: boom mic drop <laughs> <laughs> bye have a great day guys bye-bye <laughs> This episode of The Dark Oak was created, researched, written, recorded, hosted, edited, published, and marketed by Cynthia and Stephanie of Just Us Gals Productions and made possible by you, our shiver-seeking listener. Special thanks goes to Justice Himes for our incredible artwork and Ryan Crete for our amazing music.